0: Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast. I am your host, Corey Barrier, and I am here with Steve Holbrook. He is the CEO of Momentum Monday and also works for a company called the I say, WTF is or, or sorry, WTG, right? WFG. Gosh, I well, I really botched that one. No worries. W F G. So, um, can you go ahead and explain, uh Steve? I want first of all, welcome. I'm glad you're here. I'm super happy to have you, you. on. Um and I, just tell me, you know, a little bit about what you do and how you got to where you are.
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate the opportunity. So, you know, I've been I've been running uh, an independent broker for the last 15 years. I started at 23 years old. I was just getting out of university. I spent four years trying to get a business degree, actually not trying. I got a business degree and it was one of those situations where my family had a family business. So, you know, there was some, there was opportunity to go into the family business. Let's just say that. And I also had worked at a restaurant for about nine years already at 23. And I moved my way up to the top and I had an opportunity to kind of climb the ladder in that area. So I, you know, immediately turned down the opportunity to be an employee for the rest of my life. So I told the restaurant, you know, I was good to go. And the family business just really just wasn't in my heart. I mean, it was a very successful business that had been around a long time. But the things that I were looking for, I just weren't able to find in that model. So I turned it down. And about a week later, I ended up at a meeting, Uh, no financial experience. But what I had was a dream. And I had a dream that you know, I just I really wanted to be somebody. I was I was sick my whole life. I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease at age two. I was always the small kid. I got picked on a lot. Um, I just I was just the underdog my whole life. Never really great at anything. Just spent a lot of time in the hospital. And I was looking for a platform. I was looking for an opportunity. I just wanted somebody to give me a jersey and say, you know what, man, we're not going to judge you for for how you look or how young you look. We're going to give you a Jersey. We're going to put you in the arena and you're going to get paid what you're worth. And we're going to pay you exactly what you deserve to get paid. And I thought, man, finally God delivered exactly what I need. And, and it just so happened it was in the financial services industry, which happens to be one of the highest paying, in my opinion, one of the, one of the most noble industries. And I thought, man, if I'm going to build my empire, why not build an empire teaching middle class Americans or Canadians how to make and save money. And if I'm going to get wealthy doing something, it might as well be in delivering financial education to the middle market. And I just found that cause super noble, hopped on board. 15 years later, I met my wife in the company. All the men at my wedding party are full-time. They all make over six figures. My only sister, my baby sister and her husband are full-time in the company, soon to be CEO, soon to be over half a million dollars a year of income. Uh, My wife's family's in the business. And uh, now we got offices all over Canada. Coast to coast, and my fifth year, my fifth year, I I spent the whole year in the hospital. Um, You know, I uh, I had done well my first year, second year grew, third year grew, fourth year was on fire, one of the rising stars of the company. But you know what? I had a message that needed to be delivered to me, and unfortunately for me, January sixth, I lost my rectum, I lost half my colon, and the. The the, the the surgery that I had been trying to avoid my whole life, I had to do or I wasn't going to make it. And, um, you know, I battled that whole year. I was in, the, in and out of the hospital for almost 11 months. I lost eight feet of intestine, uh, no rectum, no colon, irreversible surgery. And, you know, there's just some nights where I wasn't sure if I was going to make it I lost 70 pounds. And, uh, but, you know, God had a plan for me and made it through and I made some big commitments coming out of that year. And, and uh, that was 10 years ago now. And, uh, you know, we've we've learned a lot through that experience, which you can imagine.
0: So, um, you know, when you it, – it's uh, interesting. I've never had – I've never heard anybody say it, the, the way you, you started out. And you would just have to excuse me. Like, the way you described your childhood – is exactly how I always felt. Mm. Um, excluding the Crohn's disease, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, it's so it really touched my heart. So go back a little bit. Um, wh- When you say eight feet of intestines, to help me understand, like, what that, I don't know how much, uh, I don't know how many feet of intestines we have. So, well, what does that look like? I was like, what, what, how, compare, do a comparison for me.
1: Yeah. So, so I don't, I don't know the exact size. So, there'll be somebody listening that'll, that'll know better. But you got about, about 20 feet of small bowel. Okay. About six. So, the, the small bowel is basically from, I believe that's, that's, that's from your colon up. So, you got your, you have your rectum. Your rectum connects to your colon, which is the large bowel, the large intestine. Your colon is 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 a larger part of your bowel. It it it's what forms the feces. It's what absorb. It's what extracts all the water. When you're sick, it acts like a sponge. It releases water into your body. It regulates your hydration. Um, you also absorb a lot of your B vitamins where your colon and your small intestine connect. It's called the terminal ileum. So for me, my first surgery, I had my 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 disease was primarily in my rectum and my lower bowel, so they 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 cut they cut out my rectum and they left me with half my colon just to start. I begged them to leave half my colon because the lifestyle with your colon is a lot different than without I was told um, in far in terms of how often how active your bowel is through a, through a bag um so they left half of it and um you know i I got healthy for about a month and then I got sicker than before. So they ended up taking my entire large intestine out, which was about six and six and a half feet, right? Long. And then they took out about a foot and a half um, of my small bowel. And then with that came the appendix and ileum, all that stuff. So then they, they had to take my small intestine and, and reconnect it through my stomach. So I have my, my, my intestine sitting on the surface of my skin and, and it's a, it's permanent it can't be reversed. It is what it is. So, um, so how does
0: that affect your, your, your day to day? I'm just trying to, I don't know that I've ever heard anybody talk about this. So I'm, I'm just trying to understand how does your, how is your day different? I mean, it's gotta be, I I, I don't know. How is it different than my day?
1: You know, it's a good question. So yeah, I'm usually, um. so for me, I, 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 I don't, I can't control when I, when I basically, when I go to the bathroom, it's, you know, if I stop eating by six or seven o'clock at night, I might only get up two, three times, maybe two, three times a night on a good night on a bad night. I'm up 10 times a night emptying it. So you basically, it's kind of like, you know what it is? It's kind of like having a newborn baby when that newborn baby cries, you have to attend to it. Right. doesn't matter how, how late you've been out. It doesn't matter how you feel nothing. There's no such thing as sleeping in. There's no, it's just it, it, when it, when it goes off, it goes off. So basically I probably spend 20 to 30 minutes every day on, on care for it. I, you know, clean the skin, applying a a new device every day. Um, you know, it's, it's still challenging. It sits right at your belt line. Um, the skin is constantly infected, constantly weeping, constantly have open sores underneath the flange, the sticky part. Um, it's, 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 it's a challenge every day. It's, uh, you know, I, I still haven't really gotten used to it, uh, but the alternative was, you know, wasn't pretty. So we had to do it. But um, yeah, so it's just it's just maintenance. It's it's just something I have to do.
0: Yeah. Wow. I, I cannot even imagine. Mm-hmm. Wow. OK, so. Um, wow, that is unreal. Uh, I guess it's not unreal. I guess it's very real for you. Um, OK, so let's talk about business. Yeah, Let's talk about how you how you know you you said a family owned business. What what kind of family owned business did, were you thinking of that you may or may not go into?
1: Yeah, so my my you know my my grandfather came over from Slovenia in, I think 1953 and started a masonry company. So my family does commercial, and he basically turned that into a massive uh, commercial masonry company that my parents then took over in the 90s. So, uh, You know, they they build schools and hospitals and debt high rises. And, you know, most of the downtown footprint, at least a bunch of it and the hospitals and schools in this city have had their thumbprint on it. A lot of the, if there's a, you know, a large residential home, 10, 15 million dollar home with masonry on it, they, they might've had their hand in that They the beautiful fireplaces. So the opportunity now with a business degree coming out of university to step into that, I'm the oldest son, third generation, um, would have been a great would have been a great opportunity to get into it at that time, but you know it just just wasn't in my heart. I knew that the person that I needed to become to live the life that I wanted, okay. I need I knew that I needed to become a certain kind of person to get the dream that I wanted, and I and I felt like in that environment in that environment I wasn't going to get the growth that I needed to fulfill my destiny. It had nothing to do with bricks, mortar, masonry. That's an honorable profession, sure. but I just had this vision of the person that I needed to become before the day I closed my eyes for the last time. And that just wasn't my path.
0: Well, I guess, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you would always feel like you still kind of work for somebody. Yeah. You know, and I don't think that's obviously that was not in the cards for you. And if anybody, if, you know, whoever's listening, is an entrepreneur understands that once you make that leap into entrepreneurship, it's almost impossible to go back because, you know, after you've worked for yourself, even, and I'm not saying by any stretch that entrepreneurship is easy. Cause it's not, it's a hell of a lot harder than what most people think, but you would kind of be taking that on in addition to having to answer to, you know, other family and family members and work, I guess we'd be working with family too, which is a challenge in itself.
1: Yeah. You know what the dynamic, you're right. The dynamic, you know, wouldn't have been easy. Um, we would have made it work, but yeah, that was definitely part of it. I, 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 I had to forge my own path. You know, I had to prove to myself that I could do something. I had to prove to myself that I could sink my teeth into something. And I just feel like had I gone that path, I, I never really would have felt fulfilled and you know tony robbins says progress equals happiness and i was looking for something that i could progress at and even excel at at my own pace and um i wanted a fast pace and i needed to find something different
0: sure absolutely yeah that makes that makes total sense and i i it's pretty noble of you to do that so where is that business now where is the my
1: insurance business?
0: Uh, no, no, no. The 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 family business. What happens? Well, it's, well, still- it's,
1: it's funny. Our office, we my 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 team. We just rented a. We just leased a seven year lease on a fourteen thousand square foot building, thirty seven offices. We got close to two hundred licensed agents just out of this one branch, or one of the largest broker offices in the whole city. And it just so happens that we leased from uh, my parents and their family own about you know, 40 acres of land here close to downtown in one of the buildings that my grandfather built, I think in 1976, um, we're now a tenant, the, one of the, the the biggest tenants that I'm sitting in his desk that he had made for him 40 years ago. I just got it refinished, but you know, I can tell you that, um, my parents have, have just recently wound down the business. I think last month was their last month in business. Um, and, uh, it's kind of the end of an era and, it's kind of an emotional time for our family, but the game of construction's changed. People want things faster for less money. People don't value quality anymore. They want it cheaper. You know, masonry is kind of a, a bit of an old school. Um, you know, it's just, to be honest, lot, not a lot of people are building with it anymore, which is too bad. Yeah. And uh, they just recently shut their business down and they've reti- they're retiring and they got other things on the go, but uh, yeah. End of an era. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. So you also speak at a lot of events. Tell me about tell
0: me about that, because, you know, the reality is that's the end game for me is that I want to progress on and and speak, you know, on stage and um, in front of lots of people. So how did Mm -hmm. you tell me about that? Tell me who you speak in front of and how you said you do it pretty often. So, and I heard you speak, which was, fun, by the way, you did outstanding. I didn't just say that because who you are, like you really did do a fantastic job.
1: Thank you. Um, I learned how to speak basically opportunities through our company. So, you know, I was, all, I'm always a big fan of whatever I'm doing. I need to have, be able to build, to build a team. So if I'm, if I'm going to spend time at church, I want to be on a good team. I don't want to have the ability to build a team. You know, it's just like building a hockey team. Everything that I do, like Arte, right? Oh, we're building a world-class team at Arte. I'm a part of a championship team, and we have an opportunity to recruit and make it better. So I'm a big team guy no matter what what area um, that we're in. So um, just just repeat that question, bro. Well, I was just asking, so I know you speak at a lot of
0: places, so I just wondered, like, well, yeah. Where all do you speak? And
1: yeah, I knew where I was going with it. I just so basically, I get a I get opportunities in our company to grow and lead and train. So when I I just I just started by learning how to speak in front of a room full of four or five people.
0: Yeah,
1: and then I would always what I would always do is I'd always write down in the corner of the paper the biggest size of the room I've ever spoken to. So I'd write so before the before the meeting starts on my notes I'd write ten, right? Arte whatever that was a couple thousand. Um, and then you just grow. So I'm, I'm always, I'm, I'm addicted to one more person in the room. So I, I remember speaking into a room full of six people once some, just some, some Monday morning meeting stuff to the team, really nervous. Right. And then that room was 20. And then somebody invited me to speak in front of a hundred. So now, now at our company conventions, I speak in front of 30,000 people, um, two, two sold out arenas, simulcasting, uh, with each other, you know, on stage speaking in front of two arenas to me. Um, now we get a rush from it. But what I did is I used to watch YouTube videos of Ed Milette and I would memorize every single word of his talk. And what I would do in my living room is I would have a pretend stage and I'd, I'd literally walk back and like, I, I I could walk like Ed walks, right? Ed's, he kind of pulls his shoulders back sometimes and he's like this, right? And I know, and, and I studied all those talks. And then what happened was I started actually walking with a little bit of a limp because he had a, he had a tumor in one of his calves that he had removed. So sometimes Ed has a, gut, he has a little limp. So I developed a limp when I spoke. And then, I, and then my team bugs me because I, I developed a, uh, an American accent. So I have like a draw on some words, and it, everybody makes fun of me. <laughs> but it's because I would study these YouTube videos, and I would memorize every word of it until it became mine. And that's where I learned how to breathe on stage, like you watch, like when, when you see some, when, when the average person sees somebody speak, they're just absorbing the message. I'm watching how they're speaking. I'm watching their body language. I'm watching when they pause, when their jacket comes off, when they roll up their sleeve, how they're continuing to deliver a message. And cause you ever see people, you go, they, they get on stage and they're out of breath, right. right? Cause they get ahead of themselves. So I've just studied people that were good at speaking until I felt like you know, I had that, that person's, you know, the best of their, of their game. And then i find somebody new.
0: This episode of the successful life podcast is brought to you by house call pro whether you're looking to streamline your operations, reduce paperwork or boost revenue house call pro is your all in one business solution. Transform your business today with essential tools and support designed to drive efficiency and deliver exceptional customer service. To learn more, click the link in the show notes. Wow. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, I think it's I think Jim Rome is the one that talks about this. And he says, you know, that when you go on stage and speak, you give the same talk or he used to give the, the same talk every time. Whenever, uh, whenever it was time, you know, whenever the time was, he would either, like you said, roll his sleeves up same at the same time in the talk. Now is, do you think it's the same way with, with Ed
1: and what you've learned? Is it around the same times? I mean, I, the, Ed's the, evolved so much, Ed's evolved so much as a speaker. I think that he's kind of a, he's kind of a, he's kind of a unicorn. I mean, every time, every time I think I, I have, I have a a grip on how he's delivering his message. I watch him on another video and I'm like, man, he just got to the next level. But I think in general, the best speakers in the world, uh, you're going to find that they're going to, they're going to get you thinking about the day you were born. Right. You see, you even heard how I told my story. I brought you back to your childhood. Then they get you thinking about the day you're going to die. They talk about closing their eyes for the last, the last moment, the last breath. And you put yourself in there. You get emotional. Right, and then they're going to make you—they're going to make you laugh somewhere in the middle. Hmm. And if you can get somebody thinking about the day that they were born, if you can get them thinking about the day that they're going to die, and if you can get them, you know, some kind of comic relief in the middle, I think you could go toe to toe with some of the best speakers in the world. Because the best speakers in the world is they understand energy. And Ed and I talk about this all the time. When you're on stage and you know how to speak, you can actually roll the energy off the back of the room. Your role, you know, that's why it's actually harder to be an MC of an event than it is to be a speaker because an MC has to be able to adapt with the energy. You got to be able to say, okay, guys, everybody on their feet, hands together, let's bring the energy, right? So you're, you're, it's all about speaking, is all about controlling the energy. Sure. And knowing when to pause, and knowing when to take a break, and knowing when to you know, dial it in. So it's, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of moving parts, but you just get good by watching people speak.
0: That's fantastic. Like it's an art, obviously you've clearly, you have, you know, mastered it to an extent. I mean, you're like, just the way the example that you just gave, you knew exactly what you were going to say and when you were going to pause. Yeah. That's, that's, that's crazy. I've never, you're right. I, I absorb the message. I'm not paying attention to the breath. I will now that you said that. That's insane. Wow. Okay. So how did you meet Ed Milet?
1: I met Ed Milet. Um, so there was a, through our company, there was an, there was a, there was an auction opportunity to, to to bid on auction items prior to heading to a golf tournament. So they posted these auction items. There was one sheet that said, spend one day with Ed Milet. It had never happened before. And I got to tell you, it's never happened again. So I just, I was like, I got to spend some time with this guy. This was 10 years ago. I was a junior broker of the firm. I was not, didn't even have my, my senior contract yet. Um, Actually, you know what? That's a lie. I just became a senior broker of the firm. Um, I was new senior broker. I just had my own agency still wasn't making a ton of money yet. And I went and extended my credit card limit and I bid $12,000. I found out US, which is like a gazillion Canadian. <laughs> so it was like actually like 15 or 16 grand Canadian. So I basically maxed out my visa only to find out when I got down to the golf tournament, the second highest bid was 7,000. So I overpaid. All my buddies made fun of me. I got ripped so hard from people inside the company. Turns out it was the best, I would have spent a hundred grand for that meeting. Ed picked me up in his company issue bends. He drove me to the Staples Center. We sat courtside to watch the to watch LeBron James um, play the Lakers, I believe it was. Well, obviously the Lakers. I think it was LeBron James. I can't remember exactly. Um, we sat next to Billy Crystal, and that one day turned into two days at his uh Lake Arrowhead place. And he told me he was going to mentor me the way his mentor mentored him. And you know what? It's uh, it's been a special relationship ever since. That's crazy. That is absolutely wild. Mm-hmm. That's such a good story. You know what's crazy? 2005. I heard him speak on stage. He he closed our convention. He said, "If you want to make if you want big results in your life, you got to make some big decisions." And I went back to my room that night, and I wrote down my big decision is to make Ed Mylett my mentor. There was eight thousand people in that arena, and I'm the only person that I know of. And there probably might have been a couple more, but the only person that I know of, they got to that level, and I just made that decision that I was going to make it happen, and I made it happen.
0: Yeah, the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, lined up, and you know when you put out stuff in the universe, good or bad you know, it will, you know, it will manifest into, manifest is a little bit, I, I don't know if I, I don't really care for that word as much, but it, but it's true. It, you know, if you speak whatever it is into the universe, great, great example. I had a conversation with my brother today. He called and said, Hey, he said, um, he sent me a picture. He said, this is either your nephew or your niece. And he said, I need you to call me. And I said, okay. So I called him and he said, it's odd that he asked me to call him. Um, And so I I said, well, Hey, what's going on? He said, well, I just need to give you a heads up. And my heart kind of sank. And, and he said, uh, he said, they've detected down syndrome in the child. He said, it's missing something, a nose plate or nose bone. I, I can't, he didn't really remember what it was. He said, so it's a very small chance. He said, but, The doctors have to warn us. And at that moment I said to him, I said, Josh, now he's a, he's a minister. He's actually younger than me. Pretty young to be a minister. But anyway, I said, Josh, let me explain something to you. I said, if you think, if you and your wife think that child is going to have down syndrome, that's exactly what's going to happen. If you think that the child is going to come out healthy that's exactly what's going to happen. I said, but you have to, with your heart and mind, believe that the baby's going to be healthy, hmm. and and or you you can go the opposite way. I said, but whichever way you decide, yeah. with your heart and mind, is the way it's going to turn out. And I believe that. I wholeheartedly believe that, one hundred percent.
1: That's so true. Yeah. Yeah, and how many how many examples do we each have in our life of that being true, good or bad, right?
0: Oh, I mean, you know, we could probably talk for three hours. Uh, You know, the list goes on and on and on. So um, anyway, well, look, um, I guess let's wrap up with, you know, what advice would you give a younger guy out there or or girl that's, you know, struggling in business that that wants to get into maybe even the insurance world? Because I would think at this point, it would be really hard. This is just my outside looking in. I would think it'd be really hard to get into the insurance world and be successful because I feel like it's. Well, I would. My guess would be it'd be oversaturated, but I don't know.
1: Mm-hmm. You know that? That's a super interesting point. And you know what? I, I think. I think there's probably a lot of people to think that. But I got to tell you, the average age of a person in my industry doing what I do is 61. What. And they're all thinking about retirement and guess, and the ones that aren't retiring, guess who they're targeting? They're targeting the wealthy. So you have this mass amount of people that are getting underserved. All you gotta ask yourself is this, what's the state of the financial, of of the, what's the state of of finances in in American and Canadian households right now? Like are people saving a ton of money? No. Is there a ton of debt? Yeah, there's a ton of debt. So something's not working. So, the establishment, the way things were done the last 20, 30 years, 100%, it's broken. The opportunity to get into the insurance industry and to just service the wealthy and to leave the middle market behind and and to continue to screw, uh, you know, North Americans, you know, that opportunity, that window is is coming to an end because what, what we need, what needs to change now is there needs to be a movement to the middle market. We have to get financial education to the masses. So, the way we're building our company, this thing is so wide open, it's, it's not even funny. It's a couple hundred bucks to get a license. I mean, people, there's, there's opportunity to make multiple seven figures serving the middle market. But back to your question about what advice would I give any young entrepreneur? Like, just be careful that you don't mistake a, a you don't turn a bad day into a bad life or a bad business or a bad, like just don't overcook it. Okay, it's going to be harder than you think it's going to be. I don't care what you're trying to do. It's going to be harder than you think it's going to be because you can't anticipate the person that you have to become to accomplish that next mission, okay? But if you take quitting off the table, if quitting no longer becomes even an option, then it's just a matter of time. That is so If, if when I got married, quitting was an option, like until death do us part, or if it gets hard, like if there's a door that's open, you're going to take it. Cause it's going to get hard. You're going to think about quitting a hundred times. And at some point you're going to back out if it's an option. So if you're sold out to your business and it inspires you and you got a vision for it, you got to just, it's going to get harder than it is right now, but it's going to be so much better than you think it's going to be on the other end. So just, just anticipate it and just remember it's a bad day. Okay. It's not a bad life. So just keep things in perspective, take a breath. You're going to be fine.
0: How quickly can, you know, it's insane. You know, I think about the bad decisions that I've made over my, my life. And if I would have dwelled on that bad decision and not move forward, I, I, who knows where I'd be? Maybe I wouldn't be sitting here. I don't know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but you're right. You're absolutely right. It's such a great piece of advice. Yeah. All right, my man. Look, I loved this, uh, conversation, Steve. Thank you so much, dude. You, uh, you know, your story at the beginning really tore me up. So thank you. I really appreciate you didn't see absolutely. that coming.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Brother. We'll connect again. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Later.
0: Thank you for tuning into the Successful Life podcast. We hope today's insights have ignited your passion and provided tools to shape your leadership journey. Remember, greatness is a journey, not a destination.